Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, and we've got a jam-packed show for you. Not one, but two guests coming your way on this week's podcast. We'll be hearing from CBS Sports analyst Clark Kellogg. He'll bring us up to date on the college scene. And we'll also hear from a former winner, the Citizen Naismith Trophy Award winner from 2018, Jalen Brunson of the Villanova Wildcats and now of the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA. But first, a word from our sponsor. A Trophy Life is brought to you by Citizen Watch, proud sponsor of the Citizen Naismith Player of the Year Awards. Citizen EcoDrive watches are powered by light and never need a battery. Visit us at citizenwatch.com. Citizen, better starts now. Now to this week's news and notes, presented by Citizen. And the Atlanta Tip-Off Club this week announced the winners of the 2020 Naismith Outstanding Contributors to Women's and Men's Basketball. And we share with you those great people, Beth Bass and Jim Nance. Chosen by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club's Board of Directors, Beth and Jim will be honored at the Naismith Awards Brunch, presented by Invesco QQQ at the College Football Hall of Fame here in Atlanta on Sunday, April the 5th, during the Men's Division I Basketball Championship Weekend. Both have made incredible contributions to the game of basketball, and they have done it with class and dignity. Beth Bass was a great college player at East Tennessee, a four-year Leonard winner there, most notably known for serving as the CEO of Women's Basketball Coaches Association from 2001 to 2014, and she assisted in the launch of the WBCA's Think Pink campaign in support of the Kayao Cancer Fund. And, of course, Jim Nance is so well-known as the voice of CBS Sports, the lead broadcaster for the Division I basketball final since 1991. He's been the National Sportscaster of the Year five different times, and he's a two-time Emmy Award winner for Outstanding Sports Personality in Play-by-Play. So congratulations to Beth Bass and Jim Nance. The other piece of news that we'd like to share with you this week was what happened Monday out in California, first in Southern California and then in Northern California, and it surrounds Sabrina Ionescu of Oregon. She was asked to speak at the memorial service for Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles on Monday, where she so courageously stepped to the podium and delivered an an amazing eulogy, then flew back to the Bay Area after that, took to the court after getting sick in the locker room, and then went out and led Oregon in another brilliant performance. In fact, did something that has never been done before in college basketball by a man or a woman. Sabrina became the first player in NCAA history to reach 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds as she recorded her record 26th career triple-double as number 3 Oregon beat number 4 Stanford 74-66. to Now, Sabrina did speak with ESPN following the game on Monday, and she said that one was for him, meaning Kobe, of course, and to do it on 2-24-20 was huge. We talked about it in the preseason. I can't put it into words. He's looking down and proud of me and happy for this moment with my team. Just an amazing performance from an amazing player, Sabrina Ionescu of Oregon. This week's Did You Know, eight men have won the Citizen Naismith Trophy and an NCAA National Championship in the same season. That streak began with Luau Sindor of UCLA in 1969, followed by Bill Walton in 72 and 73. 
Scott May of Indiana in 76, Danny Manning at Kansas in 1988, Christian Laidner of Duke in 1992, Shane Battier of the Blue Devils in 2001, Anthony Davis did it with Kentucky in 2012, and the latest man to do it, Jalen Brunson with Villanova in 2018. Jalen came through Atlanta recently with his Dallas Maverick teammates, and I had a chance to speak with Jalen about the award and what it meant to him. Well, Jalen, congratulations. I know you're not that far removed from winning this award. It still mm-hmm. must be somewhat fresh in your mind. What a great experience you had at Villanova. Yeah, uh, my Nova experience was um, unlike any other. Um, just happy that I made that decision to be a part of that family. And um, never I thought I would be uh, considered for this award. So, I mean, it just shows a... Uh, I was surrounded by great teammates and great coaches uh, that, that made it happen. You know, you stayed, played three years, uh, two national championships, obviously, mm-hmm. and you're into the pros. How did that Villanova experience help you with what professional basketball has to offer? Um, just being part of a family, being part of something special, uh, working hard every day, um, the same qualities that, um, that the pros have, just making sure they come in get the work done every day and um, being held accountable for everything. And um, uh, with my experience there with the teammates I had, and uh, we knew what we wanted and we wanted to win. We wanted to work hard and we wanted to be part of something special. So we held each other accountable to that and uh, it definitely uh, translates to this game. I know you don't play to win individual awards, but mm-hmm. looking back, this is pretty special to be the Citizen Naismith Player of the Year, yeah. uh, a piece of basketball history that will be with you forever. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an honor. Um, like I said, I mean, I didn't really... You know, work to um, be the nation to play the year. I just work to be the best player I can be. And so, um, like I said, the teammates that surrounded me, uh, the success we had as a team, definitely made it happen. Well, congratulations again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jalen, thank you. Clark Kellogg is certainly as well-known on the college basketball scene these days as a commentator as he was as a tremendous player with the Buckeyes of Ohio State and a brief NBA career with the Indiana Pacers. He is a voice that is just one of the most outstanding in the game. When Clark Kellogg talks, we listen. And it's great to catch up with my old friend Clark Kellogg for this week's interview. Always a pleasure to touch base and check in with Clark Kellogg. Joins us from Columbus, Ohio. Clark, how are you, my friend? I'm terrific, Bob. If I was any better, um, it wouldn't be fair. But I'm doing quite well. I trust you can say the same. And as we um, navigate towards um, Selection Sunday, then things turn up a notch for me and all of those who enjoy um, sports and college basketball in particular. And what a season it has been, as unpredictable as any college season I can remember in a long, long time. How about you? Oh, same here. Same here. I mean, you've had, I think, six or seven teams um, rotate out of the number one spot, a number of top five teams losing to unranked teams. Um, this compression and this competitive balance that has manifested this year in kind of a unique way has really been an undercurrent in the college game, I think, for the last 20 years, quite honestly, where you've seen, again, with the exposure that programs and the game get on television, kids are able to look at better fits across the nation and go places that typically might not get their services. I think that's been a part of it. Uh, You think about more good players now. I really think that's the case. There are more good college players across the country, and they're spreading out more. And then you factor in the early exodus of um, 
highly touted freshmen that have the potential and ability to play in the NBA, those guys are leaving. Typically every year there's 15 to 20, 25 of those guys that might take off early. And then you look at the transfer portal and how that's affected the game of college basketball, the graduate transfer, and also just kids that decide a better fit is elsewhere and they transfer. So all of that, I think, has led to what we've seen in terms of competitive balance across the country. And this year it's actually just um, been amplified and magnified on the court. Clark, what's your take on the transfer situation? That has been such a topic of conversation, not only for football, but also obviously for basketball, and it touches every program in different ways. Do you have a take on it? I do. I do. Um, Obviously, the Big Ten and the ACC are publicly declaring a position of favoring kids being able to transfer um, one time without penalty, the penalty of sitting out a year. And, you know, I didn't know this, but um, only five sports currently across the college sports landscape don't allow a penalty-free transfer. I think it's men's football and basketball, and three other sports. I can't call them off the top of my head, but I did not realize that those were the only sports that actually um, imposed a penalty on transfers. So I'm in favor, in theory, of kids being able to transfer, giving them a little more empowerment. I'm always um, pro-student athlete. Um, So I think that's something that should look be looked at, and I hope it comes to fruition. Obviously, you have to examine unintended consequences that might crop up, but on its face and just in general, uh, I would be in favor of that. I never want to lose the importance and the value of a college education for so many of these student-athletes that are on scholarship. I think that's um, sometimes lost in discussion, Bob, that because Mm -hmm. there's so much money in football and basketball on the men's side, the revenue is astronomical. The coaches' salaries are ridiculous, um, that people tend to focus just on that. But there are hundreds of thousands of student-athletes and many whose lives are changed um, for the better through um, athletic scholarships and the education that is gained through that. And I, and I hope we continue to try to make sure there's a, a correlation of the value of that as opposed to just um, looking at the business side of things. Well, Clark, your voice in the college space is so significant because of your background. I mean, you were one of the greatest high school players ever to come out of the state of Ohio. You had a great career, of course, with the Buckeyes. And post-playing in the NBA, uh, you've remained in Columbus. You're still on the Board of Trustees, I believe, at Ohio State. Just into my term, back in May of 19, I had a a nine-year appointment, which was one of the great highlights and experiences of my life, to serve as a trustee of my alma mater, what I learned, the people I interacted with, the opportunity to serve is um, way up there on the list of highlights for me. But, yeah, just um, completed my term um, almost a year ago. So you bring a a unique perspective, given your position on CBS and and commentating, et cetera, uh, to to this uh, discussion about the student-athletes and what's going on. Um, I can't believe it, what, 41 years ago when you – Scored 51, right, uh, for the state. Well, that's hard to, hard to register. It's been that long ago, but that's, those are the facts. 40, uh, maybe 41 months ago. But anyway, my point is, 
My point is, Clark, I mean, you you came to it from uh, an amazing high school career uh, to Ohio State and, and into the pros. So you bring that player's perspective. And now you look at it four decades later, your perspective is such a good one because you've lived it and you've seen the change. What, if anything, would you do to offer to the discussion to say, hey, let's take a look at this when it comes to big-time college basketball these days? Yeah, you know, I just hit on it a little bit. Yeah, my background and experience certainly lends itself to being able to to, to weigh in with um, a multifaceted perspective, not only in my own personal experience, but as a dad of three Division One scholarship athletes. Our daughter played volleyball at Georgia Tech. Um, our oldest boy played briefly at Providence before going a different direction. And our youngest son played at Ohio University and continues to play professionally in Europe. So um, clearly where I've been and where God has taken me through basketball in multi-ways has um, given me a voice and an opinion. I would really, uh, and I think I touched on it, just the connection between the value of a college education through athletic scholarship or athletic ability is really a life-changing ordeal. And it's something that proves to be consistently life-changing when approached from that perspective. And I just don't want, again, I understand the big business. We're a big part of it at CBS and Turner. I mean, clearly a huge part of the NCAA budget for all intercollegiate athletics is tied to what Turner and CBS pay for the rights to the men's basketball tournament. I understand that. I mean, I make a healthy um, living commentating the game, um, but I still don't think that dismisses or discounts the impact that education and the experience of intercollegiate athletics can have in the lives of young people for their benefit long term. So, so if anything, I would just want to continue to modify, update rules, and the landscape so that the student athlete is served, but not lose sight of the uh, of the value and the mission of um, connecting athletics to education and how how much of an impact that can make on people's lives. We've got a lot of work to do there, Bob. I mean, no again, we, there's a ton of work, but I think that's really kind of the um, I think that's kind of the holy grail that we've got to continue to try to maintain, no matter what changes we make to kind of modernize the um, the NCA model or reshape it. But that piece has to be, um, I think that piece has to continue to be part of the, the intercollegiate athletic story is the value of the education uh, in the classroom, but also through competition that benefits young people throughout their lives. Well, let's talk about the games. Um, you mentioned the Big Ten the ACC when it came to the transfer I- issue. But let's talk about those conferences on the floor. Uh, we'll start with your Buckeyes. My goodness. I mean, if if there's one team in the country that kind of embodies what's going on, it's Ohio State, right? They've beaten everybody in the top ten that they've played, and yet they're sitting 8-8 eight eight in the conference. Yeah. Well, I, I think it speaks to a number of things. One, the quality of the conference. It's probably the deepest conference in the country. Um, you could make a case for the Big East in terms of competitive balance and depth, where at the top you have teams that look like they'll be um, – on the top four seed lines come selection Sunday. You can say the same for the Big Ten. And then the teams in the middle and bottom, um, for the most part, have improved. And that just makes for a rugged, um, rigorous um, competition and conference play. And the Buckeyes have have encountered that. And then this is a young team. They played extremely well um, early on, knocked off some um, top flight 
opponents um, have done the same in, in conference play, but have also hit some bumps. Um, it's a combination of youth, the toughness of the league, and the competitive balance that exists across the landscape. And they've had adversity like most teams do, Bob. You know, this season is long and it's hard, and these are 18- to 23-year-old young folks that are dealing with school and travel and all of those things. So there are periods where teams are going to struggle. You have an injured player, a suspended player, some issues of your team dynamics, and, and the Buckeyes have, have wrestled with, with all of that. Um, and yet I still think they're positioned to be, um, be a tough outcome tournament time. The ACC is considered to be going through a down season, uh, but I look at those clubs at the top, uh, and I see teams that might very well be in Atlanta uh, come championship weekend. And I must say this, Clark, Tony Bennett is a miracle worker. The fact that his, the fact that Virginia is 11 and five, and they've won four in a row, and they're actually starting to score. What's going on in Charlottesville? Hey, nobody's ever doubted his coaching acumen. He's one of the stars <laughs> in our game. There's no doubt about it. And outstanding coaches, as you've seen in your years of broadcasting, both college and pro, you've been at it for multiple decades at a high level. And you know that outstanding coaches, one of the characteristics of excellent coaches is they typically max out what they have. They are system-oriented in many ways. They have a way they want to play, and typically that's how they play, but they do tweak and adjust and find a way to develop their players and teams so that they're playing close to um, the best of their ability, and that's kind of what Tony does. He's got some holdovers from that national championship team. They weren't primary guys because they lost all three of those guys to the pros, um, Jerome and Guy and Hunter, but they still have Diakite and Clark, um, Brandon Key, and this is a team that has pride, and uh, they're starting to figure out how they best can put points on the board because we know they're going to defend. So, um, again, in a year like this, Bob, a team like Virginia, get the right matchups, have somebody fall down in front of you that might be a problem, and who knows what their run might look like. Clark, I like to call it the residue of winning. It seeps into your DNA, and it comes out at, at uh, this time of the season. Our citizen Naismith Player of the Year, of course, uh, will be handed out at, in Atlanta that weekend. Uh, I, it's going to be hard to narrow this down. Uh, what, your, your take on, on what you're seeing at the, at the top of that list? Well, I tell you what, um, there's three or four guys that I think you could start to separate from the others. Um, clearly, Obi Toppin and Luca Garza, to me, have been there all year and perhaps may have an edge on anybody else. Miles Powell certainly has been part of this discussion. Um, Yudoka Azabuki, um, he's as unique and as dominant a big guy as we've had in college basketball in a long time, purely with his size and force at both ends of the floor. Um, don't know if he's posted the numbers that – well, I know he hasn't posted the same kind of numbers that Garza and Toppin have. Um, so he would be in the conversation. I think uh, Miles Powell has been outstanding for a very good Seton Hall team. Um, I still think it's going to come down to maybe a couple of moments of magnitude for um, the guy who ends up winning the Naismith um, Trophy. Um, over the next couple of weeks, who can maybe separate himself with a monumental performance or two uh, before all the votes are tabulated. But those are the four um, guys that I probably have at the top of my list, with Toppin 
perhaps just a whisker ahead of um, Luca Garza right now, but that big fella from Iowa is, is, is fast closing the gap. Clark, we can't thank you enough for taking time to, to speak with us. Uh, we, we just love you on the air. Uh, we admire you so much as a person, as a leader. Uh, it's just a thrill to talk with you, and thank you so much for taking time. Oh, great pleasure, Bob. Always good to visit with you, and I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta. That'll be a fun um, several days as we crown another NCAA champion in uh, a few weeks from now. Can't wait to see you, buddy. Thanks so Can't much. Can't wait to see you, buddy. Thanks so yep, much. Look forward to it. Citizen, the title sponsor of the Citizen Naismith Trophy for College Player of the Year, is sending one lucky winner and a guest to the NCAA Championship Weekend, April 2020, with tickets to the semifinal and championship games, a Citizen Naismith watch, and invitation to hospitality events. Try your luck today and enter to win the Citizen Slam Dunk Sweepstakes by visiting citizenwatch.com us slash en slash Naismith. The winner will be chosen once the sweepstakes concludes on March 22, 2020. Limit one entry per person must be a U.S. resident. That's going to do it for this week's edition. But before you go, I'd like to remind everybody, please rate and review our podcast. Five stars is great. It really helps us get the word out. Feedback is crucial to us so we can make this a better podcast for you. And no matter how you download it, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, please rate and review. It really does help us. Well, next week we turn into March Madness. It's right here, and we're going to speak with the 1989 Citizen Naismith National Player of the Year with the Duke Blue Devils' Danny Ferry. We'll hear from Danny and spread that word about college basketball through the A Trophy Life podcast once again next week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.